You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a show for women who are chasing their everyday and epic adventures. This podcast is hosted by Christy Moan and me, Katherine Taylor, and powered by Feisty Media. Happy 2024. Same to you. <laughs> How was your holiday break? Ah, uh, good. It was busy and good. And then we are back to a boatload of nasty snow and freezing cold weather and no electricity this morning and blah, 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 blah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That yeah. sounds um cold. Yeah. Cold, miserable, not fun. Yeah. Puppy yeah. training with a cold in cold weather, but luckily Mingus doesn't like the cold either. So the biggest problem I have with him right now is actually getting him out past where people walk out the door. I'm like, we got to go further, buddy. You can't just do it right when we hit the ground. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 He's taking care of business. So how are you? Yeah. How are you getting real cold? Um, I'm a little sick. Yes, Sorry to you my work. I may, I don't have a test, so I may or may not have COVID. I was at a conference last week and my Prevenex has like, every time I've traveled, my Prevenex has kicked in and I've done well, but if it's COVID, like it's really hard to, yeah. and I didn't get the booster, like it's just the timing. And I almost did it right before Christmas, but I got busy. So yeah. Anyway, it's partially my fault, but I, I felt horrible this morning, but I'm feeling a little better, but I'm a little quiet on today's recording. That's why. That's okay. Yeah. That's so. why you got me. So I've got you. So yeah. So my dog, I picked him up yesterday for my parents and he like really wants lots of energy out. And so I just haven't been able to today. I've just taken him around the complex and then I was sleeping and he tore up a book. It's like, oh, he's bored. He's bored. I'm like, I'm sorry, buddy. You're just gonna have to deal with it. We're going to go yeah. after we get off. But, um, I had a big, I had a big holiday. I got a new car, <laughs> a new bike. That's exciting. Yeah. New wheels all the way around for Catherine. New wheels all the way around. So, so it was what kind car of did you get? Let's get the boring one out of the way first. I got the CRV hybrid. Okay, cool. And then so, what did you get? What bike did you get? I don't care about the car really. I just asked because I, got, I was being polite. Oh, <laughs> I got the Diverge Expert. Oh, nice. They had amazing deals on it in the bike shop. That's great. And I went in New Year's. I went on the 30th because I know like, right. If they have stuff in their bike shop on the 31st, then they have to pay taxes on it the next year. So they're often willing to make really good deals at the end of the year to move inventory. And then like the new bikes are coming in. And so they had these, they were 2022s, but oh my gosh, I've never had a bike with carbon wheels. It's Game like changer. changer. Yeah. It's so light, right? It's just the way it rolls too. Yeah. So it's awesome. I'm pretty excited, I'm pretty excited about it. So we'll, we'll just need to get you healed up so we can um, do some rides. I know. I was like super bummed that I wasn't feeling well because when I got it and then I had to get ready to go to town and my washer, it doesn't matter. I didn't get to go ride before I left. So I was like, oh, when I get back, I'll get to ride. But it's going to be like 28 this weekend and ice. And I was like, you know what? It might be okay that I'm sick. <laughs> Wait till you're done. That's good. Wait until it gets past 28 again. There you go. So. Well, Awesome. Well, I'm back on the trainer. So back on the bike, I'm looking forward to seeing what that does this year. I kind yeah. of put mid South as a goal, but I don't know. It's a loose goal. 
Uh, Victoria Bramfield just asked me if I was going to myself. She's doing the devil. That's fun. Yeah, she'll have fun with that. Yeah. That's what I want to do, but I don't know. I re-injured my hip was acting up. I just don't know if I'm if I'm kind of if my body can s- sustain that that kind of training at this point. I don't know. It's hard. So yeah. And then it just makes me frustrated. So I don't know if that's in my cards. Yeah. But- if people know it, the devil's a run, like a 30k. It's a 50k. And then a and then the ride the next day. Yep. So they added a swim. It would be a whole triathlon. There you go. Maybe make it a little shorter. <laughs> At least the run part. Well, they could do the swim on Sunday. Oh, there you go. Let's be honest. Sometimes you just swim through that course because the weather's so bad. <laughs> the <weather's> so bad. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's loose. like I've done, I've done enough muddy mid South that that's just really not my cup of tea, but, but we'll see. Tim's the band's playing. So I'm going to go down anyway, but I'll have to, I'll get to see Vic. That's awesome. Very fun. Yeah. We've got some exciting stuff to announce in the next few weeks with like some group trips and stuff like that. So fun. stay tuned. But yeah. I'm, I feel like I'm a little delirious. So I'm just going to stop talking. Yeah. You stop talking and we're going to have Kate Cross join us for our podcast today. So you'll get to hear from Kate McLaughlin, now Cross, um, and her journey in cycling and what she's looking forward to with the Grand Prix this year. So on with the show. Hey all, it's your editor, Lindsay here. I want you to get ready to ante up for the ultimate gravel challenge this summer. Join us at the 2024 Trans Rockies Gravel Royale, where adventure awaits in the breathtaking Canadian Rockies. Experience the thrill of a unique three-day stage race surrounded by stunning scenery on secluded gravel roads in the British Columbia backcountry. With two distance options, the full pint or half pint distances, there's a challenge for every level of rider. And forget about logistics, Trans Rockies has you covered. Fully supported with tents, meals, aid stations, technical support, and even massage services. So all you have to do is focus on the ride. You'll stay at the picturesque Nipica Mountain Resort, nestled in the heart of the Rockies, and celebrate your achievements with daily podium awards, group dinner, and custom design memorabilia. After the ride, you can unwind at Chillville with cold refreshments, music, games, and camaraderie with your fellow riders. Don't miss out on this epic adventure. Register now at transrockiesgravelroyale.com and use the code ggg 24 GR100 to save $100 off your entry. The link and discount codes will be in the show notes of this episode. Embrace the challenge, conquer the gravel, and create memories that will last a lifetime. So go all in with us for Trans Rockies Gravel Royale this August. Oh, there we go. You found it. Bing, 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 bing. 24 and I found the yeah, record yeah. you practiced over the, you practiced Pro- over the break didn't you I did not I did not I was not doing, I did nothing over the break you did nothing over the break that's not true I bought a bike but anyway we'll get to that later we <laughs> we have to get to our guest first that's true that's true it's our first guest of 2024 yes it is we've got Kate McLaughlin well what are we doing Kate Cross Kate that's oh! a great question I guess this will be my first like very public Kate Cross introduction. It's kind Formerly of like a Kate cool McLaughlin. sounding name. I know, like, I know. Mason actually said it sounds a lot faster. So I was like, okay, Kate <laughs> Cross is in, McLaughlin is out. Okay, uh, so is your married name Cross then? 
Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. That's a good branding. Name. <laughs> it's just easy to remember too. Yeah. As of September. Uh, and yeah, it's a lot easier to spell. It's only official on Instagram. The government doesn't know, but eventually <laughs> I'll get around to it. Seems like a lot of work. So yeah. things are really, in my mind, they're really official when they're Instagram official, not when right. they go yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) and it's good to do it I think as you're starting to build your following because like we um like Hannah Hannah Finchamp she's not she can't change like Finchamp right like she has auto it's like her handle because it's so she has so many followers and so it's really hard to make that change then Mm -hmm, exactly yeah I (laughs) reaching out uh to some spot or potential partners though for the year I was like I guess I'll keep my name like in my pitch deck as McLaughlin so that when they're looking for results, they're like, I don't know who this person is. Who's Kate Cross? She doesn't have any results. So, you know, it's figuring it out. (laughs) That's a good point. Well, you're bringing up some really good stuff just kind of out of the gate. But before we go down that road, we always like to kind of talk about where you started Um, you know, not, you know, not just necessarily your bike journey, but your athletic journey and then kind of what led you to the bike and, and, and why you like riding your bike. Sure. Uh, there's a short answer and a very long answer. I'll try to find the middle ground. Uh, the short answer though, is I moved from New York city to Denver, Colorado seven years ago now. And, my friends rode mountain bikes that lived here. I had a couple good friends from college that lived here with mountain bikes. So I was like, Oh, I guess I'll get a mountain bike, but I really came for the skiing. Uh, and actually pretty much hated mountain biking for the first, maybe two years I was doing it. I was crashing all the time. I do still crash a little bit, but much less. And, uh, it was a pretty steep learning curve. So that's a short version. Uh, and then the long version involves how I went from that to falling in love with racing. Um, A lot of that happened in 2020. So I have a background in running. I ran tracking field in college. Uh, I did the heptathlon. Uh, If you're unfamiliar, it's seven different events that you get one score for. Each event is scored individually. Uh, And then, yeah, your total score is how you place. But so... You can't really, after college, you can't really pursue uh, the heptathlon uh, unless you're a professional. Uh, It's one of the events, for example, is high jump. Like you don't just find high jump pits in, in the wild. So uh, yeah. (laughs) I think it would translate like to obstacle course racing or something. How does it translate? I mean, it sounds like it's more, would be more like, I could go be an obstacle course racer now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I... So when I was transitioning into the real world, I still wanted to, I'm a very competitive person and I like having goals. So I picked half marathons as, you know, a lot of people after uh, track and field in college do. And so I was running half marathons and really enjoying that. Uh, And then when I moved to Colorado, did a little more of the trail running thing and, uh, I met my now husband in 2019 and that's when I was just starting to not hate mountain biking. I was doing the running, but I was like getting a little bit better at mountain biking, starting to actually have a little fun. And I was like, Oh, this is pretty sick sports. And then when I met Ryan, he's a really strong mountain biker. Uh, It just kind of 
escalated and I really fell in love with it. And I took the endurance side from running and applied that to the mountain biking and was like, oh, let's, you know, go for three hour rides. Let's go for four hour rides. And it escalated from there. Uh, and then in 20, 2020, a lot happened, uh, as a lot did for a lot of people. Uh, I actually quit my job in finance uh, after 10 years in the in the industry with the goal of starting a business in the boutique fitness industry. Uh, and turns out a global pandemic is not a great time to start a boutique <laughs> fitness company. Um, so those plans crumbled. It was pretty heartbreaking, pretty devastating. And I kind of put all of that angsty, upset energy into mountain biking. It was like my way of escaping from everything going on. Uh, you know, a lot of people went through emotional sadness, depression during that time. And uh, that included me. So having the bike was just like this amazing way to escape. It was the only place where I really like felt like I could turn my brain off. And so like I said, I'm competitive. And when I really pour myself into something, I go all in. So I started like going all in on mountain biking, but there wasn't really any racing in 2020. So I was like, what else can I do? So uh, a couple of my good friends started this community called the Elevated Alpine that was focused on getting more women outside and making comfortable places for women to explore mountain biking, explore backcountry skiing, whatever the outdoor sport is. So that was kind of like my first way of like pouring all of my energy into biking. Um, and then eventually races started back up and I was like, okay, I'm going to train for Leadville <laughs> because why not make that my first real mountain bike race? Um, and my now husband, uh, Ryan actually works for Lifetime. So uh, that's kind of how I learned about Leadville. Uh, and... Like I said, this is like the really long version of how I got into racing. Great though. But yeah, so 2021, I started training for Leadville. Uh, and then in March, I actually got in a pretty bad crash on my gravel bike and tore a ligament in my thumb, had to get surgery. Uh, so I started training on an uh, indoor trainer for three months and I did the Silver Rush mountain bike race which is a qualifier for Leadville because I wanted to just get a better starting position. And I ended up winning that race after three months of being on the indoor trainer. So that was kind of like my first taste of, oh, I might kind of be good at this. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'll stop there. But that's kind of, that's what got me going. I love that. Like that you, that's how you found out you were good at it was you went out and won. And, <laughs> and it's not even a little one. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It really caught me by surprise to say the least. Um, I was just going out to have fun and well, you know, type two fun and see what I could do and hopefully not start at the back for Leadville. So it turned out much better than expected. That's awesome. How far did you get to move up at Leadville then? Oh, that's a great question. I think I was in the green. Is that color? One of the grass. Yeah, I was pretty far back though. Like I had to walk up Columbine because I was that far back. So yeah. everybody in front of me was walking. Um, yeah. And now you're in the Grand Prix. And now I'm in the Grand Prix. <laughs> Fast forward a few years, a lot's happened. Uh, I've gotten a lot better at 
mountain biking and gravel biking and yeah, it's been quite the journey and I'm super excited to be in the Grand Prix. Well, and you kind of mentioned this before we got on the call about, you know, Ryan obviously works for Lifetime. I work with Ryan on a lot of different projects, so I'm very familiar with Ryan and I've gotten to know you um, through him, um, but standalone, just knowing you as an athlete, as an eraser, um, it's, I'm sure there's some people that are like, well, you know, Kate's in because of Ryan, but you know, the flip side of it to me is like, it totally makes sense because so many of the lifetime team members walk the walk and talk the talk. Like we all participate in events and it only makes sense that, you know, you would see one of our faces or one of our spouse's faces on a start line, just from the perspective of, you know, you, you ride your bike hard and train hard and race well and have totally earned the spot. So maybe I'm filling in the blanks for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Having Ryan by my side has definitely been a huge part in, in my journey as a bike racer. Uh, I definitely wouldn't be where I am today without him. And because of him, I've become really familiar with the lifetime events, but obviously that's not everything. And actually for this year, as soon as I applied, chemo called up Ryan uh, and said, yep, you can't be a part of the selection committee. You have to sign this agreement saying uh, you understand there's a conflict of interest and you can't be part of it. So he actually didn't even get to see who applied. He didn't get to see anything uh, and he wasn't a part of any of that, um, which made me feel more confident in my selection, of course. But yeah, yeah. my first year of racing, I so let's see, after I did level in 2021 and I did pretty well. And like I said, I won Silver Rush. And so I actually applied in the first year of the Grand Prix and I didn't get in. And I am so glad I didn't get in now in hindsight, because that first full year of racing in 22, I just got my teeth kicked in over mm-hmm. and over and over again. And I definitely like went in, thought I was better than I was, if I'm just being completely honest with myself, which I've obviously had, obviously I've had a lot of time to come to terms with, but I learned so much in that first year. And frankly, at the end of the season in 22, I was like, you know, maybe this isn't for me. I am over this. I am so burned out. I spent all this time and energy trying to be good at this. And, you know, I did pretty well at Leadville that, that year, but like every other Grand Prix event I did, I was way back further than I wanted to be. Uh, But after a couple of weeks of feeling sorry for myself, I, you know, the fire reignited and I knew I was better than, than what I'd shown. And I just put all that energy into last year and focused on, I focused on a lot of things last year, um, which I'm happy to dive into, but basically I knew I was better than what I had done. And I, really put everything into it last year to, to make it public that I knew that I was better than what I had done, if that makes sense. Well, and I remember you'd said at one point, like, I'm done with gravel bikes. I'm like, yeah, yeah no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh uh, man. So actually a funny story that I, I think about when I think about gravel racing and how far I've come, Christy is I remember before mid South in 2022. Yeah. It was my first bigger gravel race. I remember you saying, 
you you find LDC at the start line and you just follow her and stay on her wheel. And I lost her in like the first minute. Like I was like, oh my God, I am so out of my league here. Like why am I even here? But um, yeah, we've come a long way since then. <laughs> Can you stay on her wheel now? Uh, you know, we rode together for a lot of Leadville. Um, and I ended up, I feel like weird things, but yeah, I did. I ended up passing her in with like 12 miles to go at Leadville. And I was pretty confident she was gonna, there's still a climb after, like right after I passed her, it was still like a pretty burly climb. And I was like, I know she's going to be real. I'm right on my wheel, but it was pouring rain. So I like, couldn't even look back and it was freezing. Yeah. Uh, and I somehow managed to hold her off and that's still crazy to me because she's she's so strong but um it's such a confidence boost though when you see those things we're like I went for it yeah and yeah exactly you know like you build other people up as like they're this great like this mythical person yeah yeah for sure and I still I feel like a lot of people a lot of women in the space have imposter syndrome Mm and talk about it and I definitely have that so even even talking about it now saying oh I, I beat LDC in that one race I'm like well she's still so much better than me like that's like my natural reaction which I'm I'm working on but uh yeah it's easy to build people up and and lack my own confidence sometimes well and the one thing too about the Grand Prix races at least the the gravel ones in particular, they're long enough that if you try a move like that at the beginning, you have time to recover from it. It's not, yeah, it's not the end of the, your day unless you mentally let it be the end of your day, you know? Yeah, which um, I've surely done. Yeah. Not so much last year, but in 2022, I, I uh, mentally gave up in, in several races, I would say. Yeah. yeah. So what are those mental things that you've shifted? Because even as I was listening to your story, I was like, oh, you've had some big setbacks in your goals right like your the pandemic when you're opening a boutique fitness studio you got the thumb um and then start doing the series and feeling like oh I got my ass handed to me so what are the some of the things you do to work on those mental skills oh yeah uh a lot of my process has been just to really focus on this might sound really straightforward and trivial, but like really focus on getting faster. Uh, I realized my FTP, you know, common term in, in cycling, which is basically like your watts that you can hold for certain amounts of time, I guess is how you would explain it, um, was just not where it needed to be. Uh, and, but I'd seen it grown, even though 22 didn't go as well as I wanted it to, uh, I saw a lot of improvement. So my first step in building confidence in myself was to get stronger, get faster. So, uh, I put together a training program that I thought would get me there. And that was the first step in changing that mentality. Um, and yeah, I'm trying to think of other ways to answer that question, but building confidence your, in my own training. What's that? You got your own training. So I actually use Trainer Road. Okay. Uh, I tried a couple different coaches in 22, and great people, great coaches for different 
people, but not for, they didn't work out for me. Uh, and when I was doing the indoor training in 2021, before I really knew anything about what I was doing, I was using trainer road. So trainer road is a software, uh, uses AI to put together your training program and then adapts your training as you go. Uh, and I had had a lot of success in 2021. So in the winter, so yeah, when I was started training for 23, I was like, you know what, I just want to save a little money and just for the winter, I'll go back to trainer road and see, see how it goes and see if that is a good fit for right now. And it's cost effective and I'm a data person and I know how much data that software platform has with all of its users. So I have some trust. I had some trust just going in with that knowledge. And then they have a great podcast I listen to every episode of. And so I, I know they know what they're doing. So anyway, I was like, I'll try that for the winter and see how it goes. And I tried it and it went really well. And I saw my power increasing and I felt like my fitness was increasing more than it had at any point in 22. So I just talked to a couple of coaches that I thought I would want to work with. And I just felt that I had learned enough and I knew exactly what I needed to work with, work on and what my weaknesses were that I wanted to keep using Trainer Road and kind of tweak things within the program, like adding volume uh, and things like that, but keep using it. So I actually ended up using that all of last year. I'm still using it now. I may work with a coach uh, to tweak some small things, but I really believe in the Trainer Road platform. So I'm going to continue using that for the time being. And that's exciting for people that are kind of just getting into this that don't want to have a coach, like, you know, having kind of your confidence in that program um, to try it out. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a decent place to start if, if coaching is outside is a stretch for you financially. So. For sure. And I felt like a lot of the reason why I think Trainer Road works for me right now, and I'm not saying I will never have a coach. Uh, but I think it works for me right now because I've learned so much and I know what my weaknesses are and I know about different training zones and I know about, you know, I've, I've been, I've tried to be a sponge the last couple of years, listening to podcasts, reading articles, listening to other riders on, or racers on your podcast, on other podcasts to see like, what are they doing? What worked for them? What didn't work for them? And, you know, they're kind of giving away their trade secrets on the, on these podcasts and I'm just absorbing them and listening and paying attention. And, uh, I feel like that's why I can take the trainer road program and tweak it to get what I need out of it. And, but the great thing about trainer road, I feel like I'm pitching it right now, but the great <laughs> thing about trainer road is if you don't know anything, it will tell you at least enough to get you started, which I think is really cool, but uh, I'm really glad I had a couple coaches and tried it out. And now if I do go to find a new coach, eventually I know what worked and what didn't work and what to look for. So, you know, even though those coaches didn't necessarily work out, I still learned a lot from working with them. If that makes sense. Oh, for sure. I was just at this conference for USA triathlon, but they talked a lot about AI. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to see platforms I mean, Trainer Road is basically built on AI, right? Just like yeah. a very early form of it. But we're going to see more platforms like that. And then people going to coaches for things like, I need to make sure I'm not overtraining. Like I'm mm-hmm. I'm stuck here. 
I need this accountability. And so I think there's going to be an interesting pairing. And if people are coaches out there, I would just like figure out ways to start working with those things because it allows you to work with a lot more athletes. That's what I was going to say is as a coach, you'd be able to work with more athletes um, for sure. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I I don't need accountability. I have plenty of uh, type A personality traits myself. I'm pretty obsessive about a lot of things that I'm passionate about. So I definitely don't need accountability, uh, but a lot of people do need that. And, you know, coaches are great for that. And uh, and a lot of other things. So yeah. coaches are I not for like nothing. Athletes obviously. like you often where they end up needing a coach is because they tend to overtrain. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And some of the things that I want to work on in the coming year, I, there's definitely room for a coach for some of those things like, um, race strategy, uh, yeah. how to choose which races to peak for, uh, how to train through other races, what is too much, what's not enough before, before those B or C races that are maybe a little less important. Uh, so yeah, there's still lots of room for, yeah. for learning. <laughs> yeah. Well, cause especially with the Grand Prix, you're racing once a month. So between travel, yeah. it doesn't give you a lot of training time, especially if you add any other races to your calendar. Yeah, exactly. And for me, for example, unbound, I'm excited to do it again. I, I did it not last year, but the year before I'm excited to do it again, but it's definitely not my strong suit and I'm not going in there with the goal of having my best performance of the year. So it's like, how do I appropriately taper for that without tapering too much for the races I really care about later mm-hmm. in the season? And then how do I recover from that, uh, without, you know, how do I race that without destroying myself? For the races that are better suited for me, like Crusher and Leadville. No. Just stay on top of your nutrition. Staying <laughs> unbound because it's so hard. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. And that will bite you in the ass, not necessarily race day, but the after effect of it. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Speaking of nutrition, that's one area I want to improve uh, on what I'm eating. I think I eat, I'm fairly confident I eat enough, but. I'm kind of like, uh, yeah, I'm not a healthy eater per se. And Ryan has said before that I'm just fueled by trash <laughs> <laughs> lovingly, of course. Uh, but yeah, back in 2020, when I was still running, uh, I was trying to do like a time trial 5k with my friend. And the night before we like went out for burgers and I had a couple IPAs And then I set a 5k PR the next day. And he's like, I don't understand. You are actually fueled by trash. Like you should not be able to PR after burgers and IPAs. I was like, well, yeah. So we're we're working on that. Less IPAs these days, but. (laughs) That changes as you get older too, I think. Yeah. I was going to say youth is is a huge blessing. Enjoy it while you can. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Water nutrition method. (laughs) That switch flips. It fucking sucks. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. Right now, though, I, you know, some days I have a lot of meetings at work and I work remotely, so it's all on screen. But, you know, I eat many times a day and I, so I have to have my screen off and it's always like pinging the team. Sorry, I'm eating. That's why I'm off camera. I swear I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. This 
especially because in the sports that often the message is be lighter to be faster like but like ella on our team she's a she has her pro triathlon card i've never seen anybody that eats like her like yeah she's like like nothing no hesitation she's like i'm hungry i need to eat right now mm-hmm. and she's fairly healthy but she also is like where's the ice cream whenever yeah. we're on a trip every night and stuff so. i do feel like that narrative has changed uh pretty widespread and in the circles that i am in at least that you know fuel is is better like you you need to eat more uh rather than restriction uh I don't know if you guys feel that way. I I just, I think I grew up in a, an era of, you know, all of the wrong things like baby oil in the sun and, you know, lemon juice in your hair and, you know, slim fast. And like, all of that stuff was like, what, like I grew up with. And, and it's interesting. Cause I think it's just so, it was so wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm, I'm happy to see the narrative changing. And I definitely see it with, with my daughter as different, but I mean, I'm hoping that's the case because it was just such a toxic, that diet culture was so absolutely toxic that I'm like, whoever thought that you could survive on, you know, a thousand calories a day or whatever people would do. I'm like, that's just, it doesn't even make any sense. Like your brain can't even think when you're mm-hmm. doing that. To it. Um, I mean, I, I'm lucky that I didn't necessarily fall into those traps, but I had so many friends that did. And yeah, I just don't think I had the willpower, but to like <laughs> fall into that trap, <laughs> I was like, I can never be anorexic because I love food too much. And I can never be bulimic because I hate throwing up. But <laughs> when I was in college, like that was the thing. Like I had yeah. a severely anorexic and dealing with her you know, her body image and, and all that kind of stuff was just, was, she was my roommate and a really good friend and still is. And it's just like watching her walk through that was just terrible. Um, and so hard to see because it wasn't, it wasn't real. I mean, it was in her mind, but yeah. to, the rest of, to the rest of us, it wasn't. And I'm just hoping, you know, that, that we, we are setting just a better precedent. I mean, it's not gonna, it's not gonna go away overnight, but I do think it's better yeah and people are more vocal about it and you see like in the running world uh women who are in their mid to late 30s who you know are some of the fastest in the country then they were when they were coming up in their 20s and all their coaches were telling them to weigh less eat less uh but they're speaking out uh, against it now which i think is pretty powerful Uh, i got pretty lucky in my uh, college experience, uh, definitely saw some issues, uh, on my track and field team, but not in my immediate friend group and not the girls I lived with. So I feel pretty fortunate that, um, I was not affected by it in my, in my time in college. It does show how much the community around can impact and the coaching. There was just right over Christmas, uh, a big name triathlete came out and talked about her coach. Mm-hmm. She got fourth place at the Ironman world championship in 2022. And he was like, well, you would have done better if you would have been a few pounds lighter. <sighs> and just like, but she stayed with that coach for quite a while because there's a lot of fear and a lot of like yeah. in your brain. And you're like, well, that's not that bad when they say that thing. But anyway, we had a, 
journalist on the podcast. She's like, I think cycling still needs to have a me too moment more at the pro, like the road level. But I do think that trickles down to um, all the endurance sports. Like it's starting to happen, but yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. So everybody eat properly. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be afraid of a carb. (laughs) Uh Yeah. It's kind of a, I, I don't know. I think, I think between that and, and, you know, COVID, I was talking to somebody the other day and I was like, what year with 20 COVID was 2020. That's, that's four years ago. You guys, I know it's crazy. And it feels like we're still like weeding our way through it. Like, but it's in some ways it's had, I think it's had a good effect on women's sport. Um, it's given us an opportunity. So, yeah, I feel like uh, I mentioned that, uh, women's outdoor community, uh, the Elevated Alpine that uh, a couple of my good friends started in 2020. And I feel like there are a lot of groups like that now that came out of the pandemic because people had more time and people were doing what they loved and they had more time to do what they loved. And uh, yeah, it's it's really cool to see the silver linings of the pandemic like that. Well, and you were talking about your husband is, does marketing for the Grand Prix. So are you seeing that? Like, I know the first year, Amanda Nauman does all the stats. So she kind of did, the women had like a 20% growth across the board and their social media mm-hmm. followings. I think she said it was a little less last year, but it was still decent. Um, are you, do you think, like, is that a part of the motivation to do it as like to help build your personal brand? Oh God. Uh, <laughs> I... I view social media as I think like most people do, or a lot of people do. Uh, There's pros and cons of it. I don't love creating the content, uh, but I view it as valuable and important uh, in brand building. But also, like we were just talking about, you know, it's a socially valuable in that people can share their experiences and you can inspire other people and you can learn from other people. And, uh, it's really cool in that way. So while I definitely don't see myself as a, uh, expert content creator, uh, I do like to tell my story and it's, it's a great place to do that. Um, so no, I'm not doing the Grand Prix to grow my brand, but, uh, I know doing the Grand Prix will help me do that. Uh, I'm doing the Grand Prix because I absolutely love racing my bike. And I view the Grand Prix as the top off-road series in the ser- in the country right now. And I just feel incredibly honored to be a part of it and get to compete against these other women that are in it. Uh, and yeah, I'm just incredibly honored. And I've worked really hard to get here. So it feels really special to get accepted into it. Um, but yeah, the drivers, I love racing my bike. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, We're gonna get I love useful intel out of you as well too. Yeah. <laughs> I just love, you know, I love the process. Um, and I feel like you really have to love the process to compete at the grand prix level. Uh, and I work full time, so you really have to love the process. If you're, if you're balancing working full time, and training part-time uh but like I said I'm a data person so 
seeing these small improvements week over week and uh, it's just super rewarding. And I'm somebody that needs like a purpose and cycling has given me a purpose. And I don't mean purpose in this is how I value myself as a human, just purpose as in something to pour all of my energy into. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's definitely given me that. And I've always, I realized quickly after college that I needed something. Uh, so there's always been something and for this phase of my life, it's cycling. So awesome. Yeah. Real quick. Um, talk to us a little bit about which events in the Grand Prix you're most looking forward to. You said, which ones you're going to be that you, you feel like favor you, but which ones are you looking forward to? I love Leadville. Uh, um, yeah, I just, the course suits me. I mean, I love the course, but I think that's natural. If you're suited towards a course, then you're going to like, like it more. Uh, so yep. Excited to return, see what I can do there again. Um, so last year I got 10th place there and I believe that's probably what was the tipping point to get me into the Grand Prix. Uh, I had some other solid results outside of the Grand Prix, but that was like my big Grand Prix result last year, Grand Prix race result. Uh, excited to go back to Sea Otter. Uh, so I'm really bad at starts and I, <laughs> my high end power is, or it's a work in progress. So if you're not familiar with Sea Otter, it's basically like a three minute, three to five minute sprint in the uh, Laguna Seca racetrack on cement to the single track. And yeah, yeah, it's very much uphill. It is uh, horrible. <laughs> and yeah, last year was a little better than the first year, but uh, I'm excited to go back with uh, hopefully much improved start and three to five minute power. Um, but yeah, I love single track, love mountain biking. So that race is really fun to me. Um, I'm excited to go try Schwam again. I, over the last year, I so I did Iceman in November and that's a shorter XC race. And I had an absolute blast at the race. I, it doesn't have a ton of long climbs, sustained climbs, but I had way more fun than I expected. And I, I think Schwam again is probably similar, similar to that. And that's just aggressive, fast, and, uh, some tactics in there. So I'm excited to go try that again too. Um, you've probably noticed those are all mountain bike races, uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, in the same bucket of that fast restart at sea otter, uh, and working on that in the coming months to get ready for the grand prix, I am excited to see what I can do having worked on those skills in in the uh gravel races so i've done big sugar the last two years and i had an absolute blast this last year with the women's only start that was so cool and i was just coming off of covid and getting married so i definitely was not peak fitness but that women's start just made it so fun and uh yeah so excited to return to that i'm excited for all the women's only starts this could be so cool uh i'm a little scared to go back to unbound admittedly I hear that the north course is a little more climbing and technical, so hoping that You're works in my favor. Though. Yeah, yeah. 
I will tell you, uh, I did not have a great time when I did Unbound. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, A lot of people didn't because of, yeah. yeah, it, uh, I like sobbed at the finish line because I was just so relieved You are the only to one. be done. Yeah. A lot of people sob at the finish line I hear. Uh, I had a pretty ba bad crash at a hundred miles in. And so I like went over to the EM. EMT tent after and he was cleaning off my elbow my knee and I couldn't stop crying he's like I'm sorry if I'm hurting you are you okay I'm like I honestly don't even feel this I'm just so happy to be done that's the only reason I can't stop crying <laughs> so I'm excited but also very nervous to go back to Unbound Well, um I hope you I hope you have a better experience this year because that's not yeah it's yeah it's a it's a cool event. But yes, I understand too. Like it's it's a lot. Yeah. I think I'll be a little more prepared. Yeah. 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 And when you know what's coming, right? Like that's managing the mental piece. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited we are going back north, but that's just I mean, I also love the South route. So I love the South route's views better than the North. So that's Mm -hmm. why I like the South is probably Have you, the third route, but have you done both? Have you raced both, Christine? I've only raced. Well, we didn't do North and South. The first time I did unbound was in 2011. Um, and that was like more of a South and then West and then North. And then back. anyway, we don't, We don't get to use Cottonwood Falls. We're trying to work that out so that we can bring Cottonwood Falls back into the mix. So we ended up setting up the north-south routes um, after the 2018 event. Yeah. And went back. And then that was the first year we went specifically north. Like we turned the start line to the north. Because um, we were, I mean, we were sitting in a meeting going through everything. I, was, I just was like, guys, let's just point them north. Like we don't have to roll out of town south. Like let's. Yeah. And it was like, oh, I, you know, I mean, it was like one of those things like what, what we've always done. And <laughs> right. so there's a lot of like breaking. Okay. We don't have to always do that, but um, I've done the North course many times and have ridden up there many times and used to ride my bike up to Manhattan all the time, which is all those same roads that we, you go on. I, it's definitely more um, chunky and there's more chunk. It's not more chunky. The chunk's the same. It's just that there's more roads that are sharp, have the sharp rocks on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, same Well, I sort can of. change a flat now, so I probably couldn't That's have done really a lot good of it. <laughs> because yeah. that's, that's the big killer. I think Amy Charity Yeah. had eight or nine one Oh my year. gosh. It's insane. Yeah. And I'm also like, pick your tire, pick the right tire. Uh-huh. It's gotten so much better. But anyway, that's, that's a whole conversation for another, <laughs> another podcast. We're going into the tech terrain stuff of Unbound, but um, yeah. Yeah. Man, cool. people really, I feel like, undersell the mechanical part of racing like Yeah. you know you, you talk about being able to change a tire and oh if you have like the simple derailleur issue you can fix on the course or if you break a chain people talk about it casually but i think that stuff is really intimidating and it's not talked about enough uh Yeah. and That's it should be why more we're, we're doing a women's mechanics yeah we're camp. doing a mechanics Yeah. camp coming up. It's going to be amazing. it should be normalized Yeah. like it's really it's not easy Well, to change a tire no, it's especially not not when it's like, somebody puts it on the rim with sealant like it's just like so tight and often your hands aren't that 
10 actual tire changes for me to finally be comfortable. Now I can do it, no problem. And I'm very confident, but it's not easy. And you shouldn't, I feel like women feel dumb asking these questions on how to do it. And you shouldn't feel bad if you don't know how to change a tire. It's not easy. And don't let anybody tell you it is until they, that you've had a lot of practice. <laughs> well, that, that first year that I did Unbound, Tim was loading up my aid station kit and he had like 11 or 12 tubes in there. I'm like, why, what are you doing? And he's like, and I'm like, dude, if that's the kind of day I'm having, I'm quitting. Like, yeah. like, I'm not in this for a flat changing contest. I'm in this to ride my bike and I don't mind uh -huh. two or three flats. But if I start going into that realm of like every 10 miles, I'm having to change my, my, a flat tire, I'm no longer having fun and I'm done. Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, um, and I but got a flat. And I'm down if you're thinking about it and sign up but, for a mechanic clinic. You should yeah, sign up for the mechanics clinic. And sign up for our mechanic clinic. When when and left. where is that? Uh, it's in April. I think we have some spots left for the first week, the 11th through the 15th down in Patagonia. Oh, nice. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. All right. We we are talking too much. Oh. Sorry. Uh, tell people where they can follow you. Okay. Uh, Instagram is probably the best bet. And it's k 8 underscore McLaughlin, M-C-L-A-F-F-I-N, not cross, even though my name on my account is cross, the handle is still McLaughlin. If they search for Kate Cross, you might come up too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I use Strava. So that's an open, I'm an open book on Strava. So yeah, follow along, see what my workouts are. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Thanks, Kate. I'm really glad you took time to chat with us. Thank you guys. It's great being on here. You have been listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. This podcast is edited and produced by the team at Live Feisty Media. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating. It really helps other women find the podcast. And be sure to follow us at Girls Gone Gravel on Instagram or Facebook.